0: Section 25 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 25. The Hagling Legend 1. Hagen zealously strove the knights in tilt and tournament to uphold their country's honour before Siegband, their king when he held the midsummer feast at his high castle of balian in ireland sweetly the minstrels sang the praise of warlike deeds and eagerly did boys of noble birth contend in games of hurling the spear and shooting with the bow but evermore did little hagen the king's son bear him best in the gentle strife and the heart of his mother, the Lady Oot, was pleased. One day, the boys were amusing themselves by throwing their spears at a target. Having thrown them all, they ran forward to get their weapons again, the prince among the rest. As he could run faster than his companions, he reached the target first, and was busy pulling out his spear, when an old man called to the children to run back and hide themselves, for danger was approaching. He pointed up at the sky, crying, A griffin!" the lady oot looked and saw a dark spot in the sky it seemed too small to be dangerous but it approached with swiftness of an arrow and the nearer it came the bigger it grew all could now hear the noise made by its wings and the sound resembled the rushing of the storm the other boys fled in terror but hagen stood his ground boldly and flung his spear with all his childish strength at the great bird the weapon grazed its feather harmlessly and at the same moment it swooped down upon the child and bore him off in its talons so the feasting and the mirth that had reigned at castle balian were turned into mourning for the ire to the kingdom was gone there was no hope of rescue for though many a hero would willingly have fought with the Griffin, its flight was so swift that no one could see where it was gone years passed on and the king and queen had no news of their boy The griffin carried Hagen over land and sea to its nest, which it had built on a rock rising out of the water. It gave the boy to its young ones to eat, and then flew away in search of new booty. The little griffins fell upon the child and prepared to devour him. But he made ready for his defence, thrust back their bills with all his strength, and caught the bird by the throat, striving to throttle them at one length one of the griffins which was old enough to fly caught him up and carried him to the branch of a tree that it might enjoy the sweet morsel alone the bow was too weak to bear their united weight it bent broke and the monster fell with the boy into a thicket of thorns beneath the griffin fluttered away and hagen crept deeper into the thicket unheeding the thorns at length he reached a dark cave where he sank down utterly exhausted when he came to his senses he saw a little girl of about his own age standing a little way off and looking at him in astonishment he raised himself on his elbow to see her better upon which she fled to a greater distance and no wonder his appearance was so frightful he was dirty wounded and bleeding and his clothes hung about him in rags he limped and crept as well as he could after the girl and found that she had taken refuge in a large cave with two companions they all shrieked when they saw him for they thought he was either a wicked dwarf or a merman who had followed them to devour them but when he told them that he was a prince who had been carried off by the griffin and had only escaped from the monster as by a miracle they were comforted and shared their scanty fare with him after that they told him their story which was much the same as his own he found that the girl he had first seen was called Hildi, and that she was an indian princess the second was hildberg of portugal and the third came from eisenland the maidens nursed their young companion with such care that his wounds were soon healed when he was well again he went out to provide the needful food and ventured deeper into the land than the maidens had ever done he made himself a bow and arrows The latter of which he tipped with fish-bones and brought home small game of all kinds as the children had no fire they were obliged to eat their food raw but they became all the stronger and hardier for that and when hagen was twelve years old he was almost a man in size meanwhile the young griffins were grown up and were able to go out in search of food for themselves so that the boy could no longer wander about as freely and fearlessly as before nevertheless One evening he ventured down to the shore, and crept under an overhanging rock which hid him from view. He looked out at the foaming waves and the wild sea, which now looked dark as night, and again was lighted up by the vivid flashes of lightning that burst from the storm clouds. He listened fearlessly to the loud peals of thunder, the howling of the wind, and the sound of the frantic waves dashing against the rocks. But suddenly he caught sight of a boat, Struggling in unequal conflict with the elements, and his heart was filled with hope and fear. Of hope, because thoughts of home and his parents were awakened in his breast. Of fear, because the boat seemed too weak to live on such a sea. Then he saw it drive upon a point of rock. There was one shriek of agony, and ship and crew were swallowed in the waves. The storm raged on, until morning came, and seemed with its soft light to calm the fury of the winds. On the strand were scattered pieces of the wreck and the corpses of the luckless mariners hagen was going to sally out in hopes of picking up something useful when he was stopped by hearing the whirr of griffin's wings and knew that the great birds had come down to the shore having scented the prey while the monsters were busied with their meal the boy crept out of his hiding-place in search of something to eat but he only found driftwood and a drowned man in full armour with sword and bow and a quiver full of sharp pointed arrows he could have shouted aloud for joy for now he had arms such as he used to see at his father's court quickly he donned the coat of mail covered his head with the helmet girded the sword to his side picked up the steel bow and the arrows it was high time for at this moment one of the griffins swooped down upon him He drew his bow with all his strength, and the arrow struck his enemy in the breasts, bringing it down with fluttering wings. It fell at his feet, dead. A second monster shared its fate, and now the three other birds attacked him all at once, but he slew them all with his sword. He took the heads of the dead monsters to his friends in the cave, who had passed a wakeful night in anxiety for him. Great was their joy when they found that the griffins were dead. They accompanied their hero to the place of his victory, they helped him to throw the great birds into the sea, and then, true to pious custom, they assisted him to heap up a mound over the dead warrior whose weapons had helped Hagen to victory. Vainly did they seek for provisions among the wreckage, but they found a well-preserved box with flint and steel, which enabled them to make a fire. So, they were now able to enjoy a well-dressed meal which, after their former privations, seemed a perfect banquet. Hagen went out hunting much more frequently than before. and slew bears, wolves, panthers, and other wild beasts. Once, however, he met with a curious creature. It was covered with shining scales, its eyes glowed like red-hot coals, and horrible grinders gleamed in its blood-red jaws. He aimed a sharp arrow at its back but the point glanced off the glittering scales and the monster turned upon the lad a second arrow was likewise without effect hagen now drew his sword but all his efforts were useless and he only escaped with terrible claws by his marvellous agility when he was almost exhausted by the long struggle he at length saw his opportunity and plunged his weapon into the great jaws overcome with fatigue he seated himself on the still heaving body of the creature he longed for a few drops of water to quench his thirst and as none was near he eagerly drank of the blood that streamed from the monster's wounds scarcely had he done this when his weakness vanished and an unaccustomed sense of power took possession of him he sprang to his feet longing to put his new strength to the test he would not have hesitated to fight all the griffins and giants in the world he drew his sword and slew a bear with one stroke in like manner he killed two panthers and a rhinoceros he was covered with blood from head to foot and looked so ferocious carrying the bear on his shoulder that he frightened the maidens in the cave but he regained his accustomed manner when he had seen the gentle hildi many years came and went hagen and his three friends had enough to eat and drink and were clothed in the skins of wild beasts although they were very happy together they longed to get back to the haunts of men and often cast anxious looks over the sea in hopes of seeing some ship approach. At length one morning, when the three maidens were standing on the shore, a white sail appeared on the horizon and came gradually nearer and nearer. They lighted a fire, and called Hagen, who joined them fully armed. Their signals were seen from the ship, and a boat was sent out, which soon approached the shore. The helmsman uttered a cry of astonishment when he saw their strange dress, and asked if they were human beings or what sprites. We are poor unfortunate people, said Hagen. Take us with you, for God's sake. So the sailors took them to the ship, and they were soon on board. The captain looked at them in amazement, and Hagen, in answer to his questions, told their whole story. When he spoke of his father, Sigmund, the powerful king of Balian, the captain exclaimed, What? You can kill griffin like flies. Still, you are a lucky catch for me for i am that count of gerardy to whom your father has done so much injury you shall now be hostage till a proper sum of money is paid to me here men put this young fellow in chains and steer for Garridan. scarcely had the count said these words when hagen fell into a berserker rage he flung the sailors who would have laid hold of him into the sea then drawing his sword he rushed upon the master of the vessel when a soft hand was laid upon his arm he turned around furiously but at the sight of Hilde's gentle, lovely face, his terrible anger vanished. Hilde spoke gentle words of conciliation, and Hagen listened. Then, turning to the Count, he promised to make all matters right between him and the King, if he would at once steer for Balian. The captain agreed to do so, and steered for Ireland. Favourable winds swelled the sails, and ten days later the walls and towers of Balian hove in sight naturally his parents did not at first recognise hagen but great was their rejoicing when they found who he was a firm peace was concluded with the count of garraday and the three maidens were received with all honour and courtesy hagen did not long remain quietly at home in his father's house he wished to see something of the world and to gain both name and fame time passed on and hagen who was known far and wide for his great deeds, was appointed to rule the land in his old father's place. When urged by his mother to choose a wife, now that he had settled down after his wanderings, he wooed fair Hildi, the sweet companion of his childhood, and soon afterwards married her. Queen Ute lived to hold a grandchild in her arms, who was called Hildi after her mother, but soon after that she and Sigeben died, leaving their son to rule alone. The princess Hildi grew up beautiful, and many wooers came to Balion to ask for her hand in marriage. But Hagen would receive no man as a son-in-law without first fighting with him, declaring that he would never give his daughter to one that was not stronger than himself. Whoever ventured to try conclusions with him had the worst of it. While Hagen, the terror of kings, became also the terror of wars, and before long he really had his house to himself. End of section number 25.